0: Get
1: to the podcast everyone my guest today is uh, is an artist and producer i recently discovered him probably about a year ago i'm thinking that's when a lot of other people discovered him as well when he was on macklemore's song next year um he also has a song with him called maniac his debut album when the redwoods meet the sea if i'm correct
0: where the redwoods meet the
2: sea
1: fuck close Very close. Um, that comes out on October 12th. So whenever you're watching that, make, whenever you're watching this, make sure to check that out. It's my pleasure to introduce Windsor.
0: Thanks for having me.
1: Hell yeah. Sorry for misspelling your, your, uh, your album title. (laughs)
0: It's okay. It's a mouthful, but, um, I think for this one, you know, I, it's a phrase my father used to use to describe where I'm from. Mm. So it just had to be the name of the, of the EP. Yeah. So, your,
1: your, uh, your press release was almost written like a story. Like it's very, I kind of, I got the imagery there. Um, quickly tell the audience where you're from and, uh, where you stay currently.
0: So I'm from Santa Cruz, California. Um, and I'm currently based in LA. I've been here for six years Hmm. before that I lived in New York and, um, I made this EP record, um, about my youth growing up in Santa Cruz. So Santa Cruz is like this sleepy, spooky beach town, um, like an hour South of San Francisco. Mm
2: -hmm.
0: And, um, yeah, it was a beautiful place to grow up. Um, there a lot of formative experiences happened there for me um, that led me on this path, and I' never opened up about those times um, in song before so this this project that I started Windsor, my solo project um, it was all about going back to my roots and and telling authentic stories of of my life so. I felt like I would begin this journey chronologically and, um, yeah. So we made the
1: CP. Hell yeah. makes sense to me. Um, a word that stuck out to me though. You said, you said Santa Cruz is spooky. Mm -hmm. How is is it spooky? Well, it kind of,
0: um, I don't know if you've seen like, uh, the lost boys. Okay. That horror movie. I have not actually. So it was shot in Santa Cruz. Um, it's a great nineties classic. It's got Kiefer Sutherland and, um, Uh, Corey Feldman stars in that movie Um, but it's just kind of uh, this little bubble of a place and at night it's a little spooky because the fog rolls in from the ocean Mm. and into the redwoods
1: oh spooky so I think I have been to Santa Cruz that's where the redwood forest is like the sequoia one of. one of them oh so there's multiple wait, there's multiple redwood forests oh yeah oh I had no idea okay where's the one where you like drive through it with like a with a car you know like that huge tree oh that's sequoia sequoia okay those aren't redwoods or those are
0: I think there's sequoias
1: oh okay yeah I, I, I guess I'm not a, <laughs> a tree expert there we go I... <laughs> neither am I but, <laughs> there we go. so Santa Cruz is the place where they have like the I'm guessing I've been whether the sequoias are near Santa Cruz or not. I feel like I've been to Santa Cruz at least once. But when I think of Santa Cruz, isn't that like the place where they have like the the T-shirts, the Santa Cruz t shirts with like the hand, the, banan- like the... the banana slug? Yes, yes. There we go. Oh
0: yeah, and the hand too. That it's like um, it's like an iconic skateboard image.
1: Yeah are you are you the skateboard based on a hand?
0: Yeah, well, like growing up, there were you know, um, surfers and skaters. Mm-hmm. And surf culture there is sort of like territorial and I didn't vibe with that so much. Mm. And skaters were like into punk rock. So I gravitated towards that group of people.
1: Makes sense. So you, from the press release, at least, it seems like you started out in in bands and now Windsor, this is your first time being a solo artist? Mm -hmm. So what was like the first few bands like? Were they very like punk rock? My high school
0: band was a punk rock band. Yeah, it was like in your face, garage, punk. We played house shows and like DIY spaces. Mm
2: -hmm.
0: And then my next band, we were more of an alternative rock band. Um, We were called Mainland. And that had a little moment. And I kind of at the end of that was ready to try something new. Um so here we
1: are. Interesting. So do you feel like uh your audience has carried over from those bands or do you think was I Yeah, yeah, I okay. think some
0: people have actually from the from mainland from my last band, yeah. Interesting.
1: And there's so there's been
0: some they've stuck around.
1: What were the like what was the um what times like how long was that band active basically? That band was active
0: for about eight years.
1: Oh shit! Wait, how old are you?
0: I'm 31.
1: No way! Are you serious? mm Hmm. Holy shit! You you look like you're like 22. You look like you're like my age. <laughs> wow. Well, I
0: value self care, but yeah, I've been doing this for a while.
1: Wow, it's like um, I I just watched uh, Stranger Things for the first time. Like I binged all seasons that are out, and like the. I forget his name. Ah, there's so many characters, I forget their names, which sucks, because I really like the show. But Joe Carey, oh. he's like the guy who's supposed to be like the stud in the group. He has like the wavy hair. He's supposed to be like 18, but he's like 30. And I was like, wow, he looks like he's like he could be 18. So I guess self-cares. It's him. all a
0: mindset. Age is just a mindset.
1: Yeah, very true. So your high school band, is that your first band that you were ever part of? Is like that how you got your start in music?
0: Yeah, we like, we were really loud. (laughs) Mm. We were loud and um, super like angsty, just your classic teenage garage played in a, our old rehearsal space was uh, this upstairs of an electric company warehouse. Mm. So our drummer's dad owned an electric company and he had this little room and we would rehearse there.
1: Dang. Were you always like so the main funny. singer or
0: yeah. Um that band I started with a friend who encouraged me to be a singer. I've spent my whole childhood like learning how to play guitar and my goal was to be Jimi Hendrix. That was the goal mm. um to be able to play like that. So I spent all like probably the from eight to eighteen or eight to fifteen rather learning guitar and trying to master that. And then I made this friend who was like, oh, your voice is different. You should just be a singer. Mm-hmm. I was like, no, 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 no. I don't know anything about singing. I am not a singer. But then he was like, well, I'm not gonna sing in this band. So I became a singer out of necessity.
1: Interesting. That's pretty cool. I, there's this one band that I just had on um, from the UK called Coco Roco they're like a afro pop jazz fusion type band and one of their biggest things is that they don't have a lead singer and it's it's interesting to think about like when you think of a band you do think of a lead singer versus just instrumentalists
0: yeah yeah it's definitely i mean it's important to have someone
1: yeah.
0: you know um so that band i was the singer and then i just worked at it you know like i I uh, I took vocal lessons early on
2: because
0: mm. I wasn't part of like sometimes you hear stories about people talking about being singers or being in choirs or you know they learn how to sing in in that regard or you know but I didn't have that I I kind of came from the underground DIY space where good singers were not like often like Mm -hmm. there are a lot of untrained amateur singers so I spent a lot of years just honing my craft in my instrument because voice is an instrument so yeah I spent a lot a lot of time working on it I've had a couple vocal coaches and now I have one in LA and she really she looked at me and she diagnosed (laughs) my problems she's like your, you do this thing with your jaw and you got to back straight and there you go. Because like I would go out on tour with my second band and we would just play every night, like 150 shows a year. And you're like an athlete. Mm-hmm. You can't just go up there and wing it every night or you're going to blow your... I would blow my voice out for years. So I just learned so, stamina, basically. And right. proper technique so that I could tour.
1: No, that makes a lot of sense to me. Um, would you say vocal training is kind of like a necessity if you're a, if you're an artist, if you're touring. Interesting. Yeah, that makes, I think
0: you can kind of get away with like, being raw and untrained if you're just putting out stuff. And but if you're touring seriously, I think I recommend it.
1: Right. And how does that? How does it work for like a vocal? Like are a, vocal coaches also artists sometimes, or like? Would it be a thing where you'd want like Mariah Carey to like teach you how to sing, or would you not care if it's like, just like your high school coach? You don't who never. They don't
0: need. They don't need to be rock stars. Interesting. But you know, the people that have been vocal coaching for a long time, they are kind of badass. Yeah, I bet. You no, know, they. My vocal coach Valerie, she's a total badass.
1: Shout out Valerie. <laughs> Shout
0: out Valerie Morehouse. Yeah.
1: Hell yeah. So with this mainland band, it's a good rhyme right there. Um, with mainland, did you guys ever get signed to like a record deal or anything? And mm-hmm. So yeah, we were signed. Ooh, how did that, how did that come about? We were just like
0: a local band for five years, and then we made an EP with Jim Eno, the drummer of Spoon, in Austin, and we put that out into independently and then it got some buzz and we signed to a label and toured for like five years and then it wasn't making me happy anymore so i just stopped
2: Wow! <laughs>
0: but yeah we had a moment with a label and they put out our songs and it was a good learning experience for me
1: Interesting. what would what you not like about the experience um
0: i think that t- I think the, the chemistry and flow of making the music, there were too many cooks in the kitchen at that point. And I was just young and I just didn't really know any better. You know, my parents, they, uh, they'd never signed a record deal before. Mm. So I just, I kind of failed, you know, I I learned by failing and, uh, in making mistakes and, uh, but yeah, I think, With And it's it's probably why I decided to go solo, too, because I felt like the more people I added into the mix of the sacred creative process, you know, Mm -hmm. the further I got from my authentic, truest self. Right. So I think our label at the time and my management, they were like always searching for like who was the what producer was popping off or, you know, whatever. And and i already had production shops mm-hmm. and in retrospect the songs that i produced and wrote most like the most on my own were our most successful and yet they didn't put stock in that so like i knew that going forward with this project that i wanted to produce more of it write all of it you know cut out the unnecessary need for like multiple collaborators when I could just do it myself. Like it was like, just putting stock in my own talents.
1: Right. I actually hear that a lot from, I've had quite a few artists who have been on bands and then they realize they prefer being solo artists. So maybe it takes, I guess it's always learning experience, but maybe sometimes it takes a certain type of person to want to be in a band full time right or the band
0: members are equally contributing right. right like there's there's always the case where there's two band members in a band that really like contribute a lot right mm-hmm. and they're like yin and yang and that's awesome but it's rare and i didn't i didn't necessarily have that
1: right it's like a, um, it's like a school project where like two people are doing all the work yeah <laughs> and it everyone's yeah. like we're or here. one person is doing
0: all the work in that school project and they're like oh i you're just taking credit yeah. for my hard work.
1: Yeah, I get that. That's why that's seriously why I'm like a solo podcaster and don't have like that's why I'm not the Breakfast Club, you know? Yeah. Um Yeah. So kind of two back to back questions. First, how old were you when you first got signed? And now as a solo artist, I'm guessing do you tour with a band at least though?
0: Yeah, I have musicians I bring out on the road with me um they're great they're all seasoned um seasoned touring veterans um but yeah the first time I got signed would like to a major label I was 24 years old
1: mm. do you think that was a good time to be signed then I feel like that's a few years under your belt or you still yeah no of- I think it was a good time
0: I don't think we signed to the I don't think the label was the right label but right Um, now I, I've been independent for a while and I just know what I need in a partner. So like, we've talked to some labels this year and I think we're finally finding a home soon. So I, uh, yeah, I think, I think it's important. Like if you're, if you're getting approached by labels as an artist, you know, write down what you need. Mm Mm-hmm. And make sure that they check all those boxes.
1: Yeah, yeah, and I guess there's like you don't have to be signed to like Warner to have a good deal too. There's some cool like independent labels that get the job done too. It's just ridiculous. you don't need to
0: sign to Warner Brothers. Yeah,
1: I was signed to Warner <laughs> Brothers.
0: You, go. you know my last band was signed to like a small label underneath Warner, and you don't need Warner Brothers.
1: <laughs> Damn. Yeah. So no. How how long into making- Warner Brothers? Warner Brothers needs
0: you, is what I should say. Warner Brothers needs you, right? Anyway,
1: I feel like every I feel to stay like, relevant. Yes, that's what most artists are saying that have had experience on labels. They start to like realize their. That's why you're starting to see like a lot of artists starting to go independent or just f- focus on like distribution deals because they're starting to see the worth in themselves and that the record label needs you, but they make it seem. Like you need them, so that's a good point you made there they They
0: sell themselves super hard. It's cute. it's a cute little situation. I've talked to all of them this year they they you know it's a lot of them say the same things, mm-hmm. <laughs> but you know there's there's good people at record labels too. It's not all bad. Mm-hmm. I think you just have to have a um you have to have a moment in which a a label can do something with it
1: mm-hmm.
0: if you're signing to a major right. But if you don't have like a viral moment or um, something taking off in that way, then maybe don't sign to a major label. Like if you're like trying to develop and put out lots of records over the course of, you know, your prime as an artist, like if you want to grow over time and not be like an overnight thing, you know, or a, a one song thing that's like a a lightning in a bottle moment and you want to develop, then I think signing to an independent label is probably a better fit. Mm -hmm. But it's all case by case too.
1: Yeah. But you're also, you're seeing that across like the entertainment industry as a whole, like even with like movies, this is specific, I guess, to comedians, but like for Netflix, for example, um, Netflix used to really censor. They still do if you don't talk to them and figure things out. But like, it seems Netflix has a history of like censoring comedians when they do put out specials. But then like you're starting to see a lot of comedians either work with Netflix more and be like, no, we're not cutting this. This is what I said in my set. We're keeping it. Or they're just like, I'm just going to release it on like YouTube or do it independently. Or like um, uh, Louis C.K. or Andrew Schultz most recently, they put it on their website and charge that way too. So there's it's cool that there's all these different options that have started to come out.
0: Yeah. It's pretty endless. Yeah. It, it, it kind of, I feel like we're in this place now where the art sort of dictates where it should go.
1: Yeah. Yeah. hundred percent. So, um, when you were in mainland, is that when you moved to LA or how'd you end up yeah. in LA? Yeah. I've,
0: I've been in LA since 2016.
1: Cool. That's, that's dope. So when, when mainland ended you, did you take a little hiatus or were you still like writing or how did that work out?
0: Yeah. So mainland ended, uh, 2019. Okay. Um, it was just like, it was time. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's all good, you know, still friends with them. It's just, uh, it was just time to do something new. Mm-hmm. Um, no hard feelings there. Uh, so 2019, I was like, well, what what should I do now? Like, I think I need a break from being like the face of whatever music I'm a part of. So I took some time and I just wrote songs for other people mm. and produced for other people. And I uh, I got some songs placed with like different artists. I did like a song for someone on American Idol and some independent bands, and it was really fun. I did a song for like a like an electronic. Artist thing. So it was really cool. And I was like, well, I guess I'm a songwriter now.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And I went to, um I went around and wrote with different people in studios and just like did that and was not interested in being an artist again. But then the pandemic, all that like changed because there was no like sessions happening.
1: Right.
0: So I went up to Northern California, brought all this gear you see around me up there. And, um, and set up a studio up there in this house in the woods and and started making this ep that i'm about to put out
1: hell yeah so. That that's an interesting because i feel like i know quite a few artists who do songwriting to make money and then as their songwriting they're releasing their own music as well and hoping that their you know their solo music starts to pop off but it it's interesting to hear your perspective where you were more focused on being a songwriter and less as an artist for a little bit,
2: yeah
0: i mean i I think I just I just shifted at that like during twenty nineteen I just shifted because I'd come off so many years of touring and being an artist and mm-hmm. doing that, so i just I just wanted to put all my focus on songwriting during that point because people had encouraged me to to write for other people when I'd done it and i collaborated in my old band and it was really fun. Like I got to try on a bunch of different hats, mm-hmm. but, um, I kind of just am always, I just focus on what's working yeah. always. And when, when my artist stuff started to take off, I've just been focusing on I've been co-writing as much yeah. for other people, but I'm always down, you know?
1: Yeah. So, so it seems like well, obviously with the Macklemore thing, you you have ties to Seattle, and then you said you were inspired by Jimi Hendrix. So when did before we get into Macklemore at all? When was the first time like Seattle's music um, like crossed your mind?
0: Um, well, when I was seven years old, my dad showed me this uh, this tape of like Hendrix playing and uh it really just it just changed it just changed how i viewed music and i was like oh my god i gotta learn how to play guitar like that i want to learn how to shred mm-hmm. you know um so that was kind of an early seattle tie but then i just loved like all the pacific northwest indie rock stuff that i heard in high school right like modest mouse and and built a spill and Death Cab for Cutie even, I was just really into that stuff um, as a teenager. So yeah, I just, the music that comes out of Seattle is really different. You know, I think it has to do with the environment, Mm -hmm. you know, I think environment is really, it's important um, because you put yourself in a different environment, you have a different outlook perspective on, um, on life and how to tell stories. So yeah. Seattle's music scene is really great.
1: <laughs> Hell yeah! So when you're in mainland, did you ever tour to Seattle or like you we time- played
0: the Crocodile? Ooh, one time. We only went to Seattle once, but I hope that with this one, you know, because of you know the Macklemore collabs I've done, uh, I hope I can come up there more often. Yeah, and do my own shows too because people have been hitting me up like, "When are you going to play Seattle?" And um, I really like to. Yeah. I've gotten to know it really well because we shot both videos in Seattle, so I've spent some time up there and um my brother lives up there so it's uh it's a nice place to to go. I have my spots dialed
1: mm-hmm. that's cool the new the new uh they when was it last year? I think last year they tore down the old crocodile and they put a new crocodile there um I think where is it on? I think it's on Pine. I could be wrong, but the new Crocodile is sick. It has like three different venues in it and a hotel. It's oh, a nice cool! Bar. It's it's yeah. really cool. Um, sick. So, how how did now let's talk about this macmore thing? How did how did that come to be?
0: Uh, so my mentor is this guy Sam Hollander, who's a who's a songwriter, mm-hmm. um, and we collaborated a little bit in my last, last band. We, we wrote some songs together and he was basically the first person I met when I came to LA mm. and he's written for some really great artists and occasionally he would, um, he would hire me to sing melodies for him. Like he's not a singer. He's actually a rapper mm. uh, or was a rapper uh, in a, in a earlier chapter of his life. So Sam and I were really close and Sam got, excuse me, Sam got, um, sent some productions to write over and, um, he wrote the hook for next year and hired me to sing on it. And, uh, some of those productions were Ryan Lewis productions
2: Mm
0: -hmm. and the Sam was like, okay, here's this melody, sing it. Um, here's like, you know, just get this, get this back to me by the end of the week. And it was like a folder of melodies, of choruses, basically. And so one of those was next year, and he was like, produce it, make it sound cool. And I was like, okay. So I just I uh, just distorted the hell out of it and made it lo-fi and vibey and recorded it in my house mm-hmm. in Echo Park. And uh, and then it got sent to Ryan, and Ryan was like, this is dope, and shared it with Macklemore. And Macklemore was like, yeah, but, like, who's the singer on it? Can we keep him on the hook? And so then I got a call. I was actually writing with this artist from South Africa. And um, and they were like, hey, like, we want you to be on the new Macklemore song. And I was like,
2: sick, okay. Oh, wow. And then
0: three months of just promoting that. And um, it was just such a whirlwind. And it was so rad. And everyone in his community is really, really warm and just open arms like the whole journey and um i was it was surreal and um yeah it was just a great vibe and then in the middle of promoting next year i said to ryan i was like hey we should write a song for me mm-hmm. and um, we got together in between like we did jimmy fallon and did next year on jimmy fallon and in after that, I was like, "We should do a, a song for me." So we got together at his studio, and we wrote "Maniac," like it's a full. It was a full Windsor song
2: mm-hmm.
0: um, before before it uh, became what it is now. So we sat on it for a while. It in the context of what I was releasing, it didn't it didn't fit really. It was kind of just like a standalone. And so Ryan sent it to. McLemore again and McLemore called me and was like hey can can we have the song and I and I would you like to be on it with me
1: dang is that were you happy about that or were you like fuck he took out my song no 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 it,
0: it was you know it made more sense it's like this is what's crazy about songwriting and making music is sometimes it just it didn't make sense for me to put that melody and song out on its own, like, it it was definitely meant to be a, like, a chorus hook, and then, like, his verses really completed it, you know, it it was incomplete before he had added his verses on it, you know, it it was, like, it was, like, 70% a song, and then he made it what it is now, so I was, like, I was honored that he even asked, you know, it's,
1: like, Mm. he's... That's a good point, I feel like... I do feel like that's something that maybe came from experience though I feel like some people would have been salty about that though. So that's No, I was stoked because yeah, that's I cool.
0: I I didn't know I didn't know when I was going to put it out.
1: Right. That's a good point. So was that was Macmore? That's that's cool that you met Ryan Lewis and then Macklemore. That's that's awesome. Um Yeah, I didn't even meet
0: Macklemore until our song was like done
1: wow so it was was like
0: oh we're on this journey now like we just we have a song together and it's it's out and and um yeah it was it was cool it was a it was a whirlwind and then after next year came out i put out this song memory of mine and that because i think i mean i didn't have any expectations for it but then because um of the performances with him and all the the excitement putting that song memory out, it ended up like charting and like having a moment.
1: Yeah. It took off. Um, it took off for sure. That's super cool. Yeah. So was, was Ryan Lewis. That was like a, that was a weird, like a slur right there. L- Ryan Lewis, I said Lewis, Ryan Lewis and, Macklemore, were those the first two artists in Seattle that you've collaborated with? Um, yeah. Oh, wow. That's a crazy introduction to the music scene. <laughs> what the heck? <laughs> yeah. But
0: it was an introduction and it also wasn't because I've been doing this for a while. Right. So, but stuff like that happens by accident all the time.
1: Wow. You know? It's when, whatever they say, preparation meets opportunity or whatever they say you know that's whatever they say I mean
0: <laughs> yeah just uh it was wild dang because I when I started it I I just like making songs for my friends I didn't I just wanted to make cool stuff I just didn't I didn't think much about it and then you know to have an artist like him come around and be like I like your voice mm-hmm. so like can you be on like two, two of my songs right so I I, I didn't expect my trajectory my trajectory to go that direction.
1: That's what I'm saying. Some artists that I know that have been on the podcast and that I just know that have worked with Malcolm Moore, it tended to be when they were younger and now they have this platform that was kind of given to them through working with Macklemore. And now these next few years has been them, um, trying to build their own name and, Mm -hmm. um, appreciate that macklemore was there for their support but you know like sometimes like for example like even even like a drake if like drake co-signs you it's you have to figure out a way to kind of be like hey i'm still my own artist so with um you and macklemore because you've had um probably a decade plus of making music and being in the music industry do you think it's easier for you to be like this is just a collaboration versus maybe even being like overshadowed by the fact that it was like a Macklemore collab?
0: Well, um, the music I make is not hip hop. Mm-hmm. So I never really, I never really sweat it. You know, mm-hmm. I was already just like making the songs I was making. So if anything, it's just like, it's cool. I got to, I got to make something with another artist that I respect. You know, I'm not sweating like any overshadowing or anything. Cause no matter what, I'm just going to put out the music I want to put out
1: yeah. at the end of
0: the day. And, um, I try not to like worry about that stuff because then it's just like, um, it's just a rabbit hole. And, you know, you just like, I, I just, I just get obsessed with like the process of making things. And I don't sweat that stuff. Cause at the end of the day, like, um, I'm kind of just, I'm in my lane and he makes hip hop and it's like two, it's honestly two different worlds. Mm -hmm. So if anything, it's just like a, it's just a win because I get to bring his fans into my world yeah, and vice versa. You know, he's been around like in the public eye a lot longer than, than I have, but you know, I'm helping him too Mm
2: -hmm. by
0: bringing, you know, alternative, Indie rock music fans into his universe too. So, I don't know. I
2: just I'm not stressed. (laughs) That's what I'm trying to say.
1: No, yeah, that makes sense. You seem like a cool dude. You know, Um, let's let's briefly talk about your album, and then uh, we'll 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 end with some final advice to the listeners. Um, Sweet. What is your goal with this album? With
0: where the redwoods meet the sea. I just want to make a statement that encapsulates the last two years of my life making this music. Um, I kind of just want to make a footprint and a mark on, I don't know, on the people that are fans of mine, the listeners and just establish a sound. Yeah. That's my goal. And to authentically translate these things that have happened to me in my life into like songs and for people to connect with them in their own ways.
1: Are you nervous about that at all for like the fans, like see how you put that together?
0: Nah. Hell yeah. It's I'm I'm proud of it. It's It's a solid piece of music. It's my best music I've made. So I'm just, I'm just excited for people to hear it.
1: Hell yeah. What is your favorite song on the project? And what do you think the audience's favorite songs going to be on the project?
0: I think the audience's favorite song is probably going to be Memory, Mm. because it's the one that's been out the longest, and uh, it's probably, it's the most up-tempo song, Mm. and melodically, I think it's one of the catchiest. My favorite is um, the song Drift Away, which is, it's uh, it's an homage to my dad. Um, That one's just cool for me to put out, because it's really just acoustic guitar and vocals, and lots of vocal layers. And it's not like a, um, it's not like a typical song structure. It's kind of linear and it just grows. And um, it was a fun experiment to make that song. So Drift Away is my favorite.
1: Hell yeah. Um, What is the easiest way for people to reach you?
0: Um, Windsor at Windsor with an E, E R um, on Instagram. And then I'm um, Windsor official on TikTok, Windsor Music on Facebook, Windsor Music on Twitter.
1: Ooh, wait, quickly, how did how did you get your name Windsor? Because that's not your that's not your government name.
0: It's the street I grew up on.
1: Oh, there we go. Quick, easy answer. What is some final advice they have for up and coming artists, creators, and influencers?
0: Ooh just in general just like advice for for what
1: Yeah, I guess in ge- if people want to be in this industry in music. Yes. or entertainment. I guess cuz I kind of don't know the more I interview people the more I just feel like movies and comedy and music kind of all just blend. I think just make
0: stuff that's unapologetically unap- you and and share it and tell everyone you know about it and don't sweat the small stuff.
1: There we go. Just,
0: just, just put it out there. Make it, make it you. Don't worry about trending because the moment that you try to chase trends, you're already too late. So you might as well just do something that's authentically you and write those things down or, you know, go on a vision quest and, explore yourself a little bit, <laughs> but don't worry about what's uh popular just do just be yourself and uh, make things that in ten years you'll be proud of and put them out and um, and ask for help
1: collaboration and help and support very important um, you've been a dope guest hopefully uh, whenever you're in Seattle we can uh, do one in person and I yeah man yeah.
0: yeah. I'll be back there soon. nice. it's just um, we're we're figuring out tour plans for next year.
1: Oh, that's exciting. This year's
0: already up. This year is
1: Yeah. Dang It's
0: gone. It's over pretty much. Yeah. But yeah. Check out my EP. Comes out October twelfth,
1: I believe. Yes, sir. Cool. Um this is the NAS podcast with Windsor. And we did it.